Welcome to Pick Up Your Sticks, where we talk about why gaming matters with your hosts, Walker Neer and Brett Lindley. I'm Walker, and today we look back at the classic N64 title Goldeneye and some other titles adjacent to it, such as Perfect Dark, as well as Agent Under Fire and Time Splitters 2 from the GameCube. So what's up, Brett? What's been your experience with Goldeneye and, and the 64 titles from back in the day? Yep, so I'm, I was I was trying to think. I don't remember if I did... I don't remember if I played Goldeneye first at a friend's house, at like the main buddy that had a 64, or a Walmart first. Mm. Um, and I know we've spoken in the past some about kind of the history of like seeing... Like, playing video games, not necessarily demos, they were usually the full game, at least some places, mm-hmm. um, at a, at grocery stores and things like that. Um, but either case, I mean, I, I was, I played a fair amount of uh, Goldeneye. I think it was one of the first games that I really got to uh, one-up my friend who had the N64, because mm-hmm. he was also the primary person that had a Super Nintendo when I was growing up, but he didn't live super close. He was like, I mean, in our town, he was probably one of the one of the closer people that lived to me, but it still required a vehicle and like 15 minutes of drive time to get there. So it wasn't like I'm walking down the street to my buddy's house. Um, right. So I didn't have a lot of experience on the Super Nintendo or the GameCube, and so I'd just get whooped. Like any game we played that was multiplayer was just me getting trashed. <laughs> um so we didn't do it a whole lot, but Goldeneye was one of those games where I finally found, like, I don't know if it was just because the buttons were more universal, like, because, like, Street Fighter 2, like, you have to know the combos and practice them, you mm-hmm. know? It, whereas with something like Goldeneye, like, yeah, maybe I wasn't getting a lot of headshots, but I could I could use, like, spatial awareness and under alert, like... I didn't know all the levels out the gate, but as it doesn't take that long to learn them because there's only a few. Mm -hmm. And, and as I learn them and learn weapon locations and stuff like that, then I could start using that, start leveraging my knowledge and like my good memory and stuff like that to, to start getting, you know, getting my own tactics kind of, if you will. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was the first time that I, you know, the, the, my, my favorite kind of scenario is yes, I was getting like headshot, like any of the golden gun games or slappers only I wasn't doing well with, but in standard games. And I think the facility multiplayer map, if I remember, if that's the one that has like the green tanks in one room, there's like a hallway that goes Mm -hmm. way down. There's like green tanks on one side and the hallway has these like, I don't know, posts on either side of the, the hallway. And I would pick up max proximity mines and back down that hallway, putting them on the backside of either of the pillars. And he would have to come to me to kill me. But it would just every time he'd walk through a pillar, die, put mines back up, walk through a pillar, die. And he got really mad and was like, this isn't fair. This is dumb. Rah, rah, rah. And I was like, dude, now you know how I feel every time you play Ryu. And I'm stuck trying to figure out, like, the one-button combo I can do with Blanca. Like, <laughs> I can make electricity come out of me, and then I die. Like, right. so now you know how it feels. Like, two-player was not something that we did <laughs> a lot of. Four-player, though, then we could, you know. 
So, so your experience with GoldenEye was largely multiplayer. Then, since you didn't yes. own it, you didn't really. Oh play yeah, the no, I, I've played. I've played some of the single player. Like I remember using the watch laser to like cut open the thing, which was just like blew my mind. Like so good. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, outside of that, and like watching other people play a little bit i played some ish there were some like past the controller back and forth time but i don't know that i've actually like played i definitely haven't played all the way through by myself and i'm not sure that we've played all the way through in single player like to in a session or anything like that so yeah no did you ever see the goldeneye movie like were you familiar so. with that when you yeah, I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure I watched Gold. I, I I watched a fair number. I think I've seen almost all, if not all, of the Pierce Brosnan, Golden or 007s. Mm-hmm. Um, and I haven't watched any of the new ones. But I did actually for a while. For a long time, I owned. Uh, I worked at a video store for a while and owned, I don't know, twelve of the original VHS tapes of, like, because they when when our. Uh, movie rental place was transitioning to DVD, they sold off all the VHSs for like a dollar a pop. And I got a 50% discount on top of that. And it was like buy three, get one free or something like that. So I just purchased an entire 007 like collection set from our, hmm. our video store. I watched some of them, you know, in my apartment when I was bored. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I was a decent James Bond fan, but not huge. It wasn't like a, a majorly impactful part of my life. What about yeah. you? I know I have never seen I, I have now seen um, some of the Daniel Craig ones. I might have seen all of the Daniel Craig ones. And I went and saw I think the world is not enough in theaters. I think that's the one with Halle Berry. OK, yeah. yeah. Or maybe it's Tomorrow Never Dies. I'm pretty sure it's the world is not enough, though. Yeah. Either way, I had not seen GoldenEye. So it's funny because now as an adult on, and I've still not actually sat and watched GoldenEye but I've come across randomly like clips on YouTube. Um, right. And actually the game is a kind of a shot for shot recreation of the film. In it a lot really of is. There's a <laughs> lot of things that match up between like, it takes way longer to play through the game unless you're speed running it, but <laughs> right. Well, and so it's funny cause I have the opposite, the inappropriate opposite association where when I see a scene now on YouTube from the movie, because the game is the original thing in my mind, I'm like, Oh wow. That's, that's just like in the game like, oh, based on this. So, I remember like, playing through that scene. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so for me, I played multiplayer a little bit. Um, I did at the time that the 64 was popular, have a couple of kids in my neighborhood that I could play games with, but we really, we didn't play GoldenEye much. We played, we actually played a lot of like, like WCW, like wrestling games. Okay, where we hey, all there's actually the a fair... Brawl. I, I was never really into wrestling. I would watch a little bit of it every once in a while if there's nothing else on. Uh, but I like a lot of the wrestling games. Like, yeah, they're I was, fun brawlers. Right. Yeah, I wasn't into wrestling at all. A couple of the other kids that, that I was playing with were, and so they would sometimes provide some context for who these different characters were. But um, but really, they were kind of just hyper-violent, free-form brawlers where you can, like, have a Royal rumble where there's all four of you and then other NPCs are coming in yep. and people can pick up baseball bats wrapped in barbed wire and mm-hmm. hit each other without like, what all other I game ever does really that? Knewing, knew of wrestling was, uh, I was kind of in my goth phase at that time. And the undertaker was dark and gothy. So that was my jam. 
And then I had a really weird, like, emotional connection when Bret Hart died, because my name is Bret, and I don't know, that was just hit at a weird time in my life where I, like... Well, I I actually would like to help you. He actually did not die. Uh, His brother, Owen Hart, is the one that died. Oh. (laughs) That fell from, like... Yeah, 100 feet in the air. Yeah, that's Owen Hart that died. Which, again, uh, I'm not a wrestling fan, but I'm sure that's the case. <laughs> <laughs> well, fair enough. I yeah. I don't know. I Something about that hit me weird. It's his brother. It's time. his brother. And that's probably the name you saw because Brett was the more famous of the right. two. Sure. Um, but yeah, look at that. Wow. So not that. Yet. Relieved. All that existential angst. Yeah. And, and I'm sure that helps like 12, 14-year-old me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> great. <laughs> I'll send that back in time for him. Um, anyway, yeah. So so I didn't really play a lot of multiplayer. I did play with a couple other buddies that I went to high school with. So for me, I, I'm a, a couple years older than you. Yeah. So GoldenEye for me was like a, like when it came out was in junior high. And then when I played it with my friends, it was a few years later in high school. So it wasn't like something I was playing really regularly anymore but they had continued playing multiplayer for the whole time and you know it actually just dawned on me now really what they were simulating so in goldeneye it was strange now because halo showed the world how you would play an fps on a console appropriately right with the twin stick right well the 64 of course only has one analog stick and so the way it handled aiming was you could hip fire, but there wasn't a really easy, concise way to control that. Well, kind of, and I'll get there in a moment. So the way it worked was you held a button down, like a shoulder like button. the or shoulder button, I think. Yeah. And that would pull up a crosshair that mm-hmm. then you aimed while your character stayed stationary. Yep. So almost kind of like, like halfway between a, a standard FPS and like a light gun game, like yeah, or like an on rails kind of yeah, yeah, like yeah that, that's what shooter. I mean by light, light gun, yeah, yeah. But yeah, where you're not moving the character anymore and you're just moving the cursor wherever you want, right? Um, so that was the only way I had ever practiced shooting really in that game. Well, these buddies of mine that were playing with me in high school, they had actually spent time practicing. So that they could land incredibly precise headshots like down a hallway using the C buttons, which were the four directional buttons on the 64 controller. Because that was how you could control your free look, if you want to call it that. Right. But there was no crosshair or anything. Oh, so they were able to move and shoot using the free look. And they didn't have to stop to pull up the crosshair and then aim it. (sighs) Right. And so, I mean, and, and not only is it is it just an enormous amount of practice that had to go into that? But the C buttons aren't like an analog stick, like you use on a modern console controller, the right stick, it's pressure sensitive. So if you're Mm -hmm. pulling it down and and you can pull it down just so much and it, you know, it responds to how strongly you move the stick. I mean, that that's the whole precision of it, right? They were recreating that with C buttons, which are just buttons that you press just on and off aiming with WASD or something. Right, like, right. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, they just massacred me. And wow. one of them was really good with mines on top of that. <laughs> oh. So I, yeah. So I think I remembered the other thing. Cause when you'd mentioned that you're older, uh, I think another big deal was that Goldeneye was kind of like my first first person shooter. Cause I wasn't allowed to play Doom or Wolfenstein. Yeah. Um, which is fair because I mean, like we got those when I was like 
seven. Right. So like, I don't need to be shooting demons and Nazis. Like, um, but Goldeneye was kind of my first, and I was, I don't know, like 12 maybe. So like, it's not like it's a super gory game or anything, but it definitely was kind of one of those forbidden fruit sort of things for me. So, well, and again, you know, we joked about this before, I think in another episode, but while now Goldeneye's graphics are laughably terrible and from, from the N64 era, at the time, I mean, compared to something like Wolfenstein, it right. felt like it was approaching photorealism, right? And- I mean, kind of. I, I do remember making fun of them still. Like, mm. I remember making fun of their, like, elongated faces and just, like, oh, okay. weird, like, nose positions. Like, there's got no nose. Like, it's just flat. Um, but it was, I mean, it was still amazing. It didn't. It didn't stop it from being, like, that visual fidelity of, like, this is incredible. But then also we could take a step back and kind of realize like this isn't you know it's not perfect (laughs) right right well and that probably speaks again like we've talked about before to your growing up really as a pc gamer so your graphics expectations were just accelerated yeah my other buddy was too he had an n64 but they had a pc too and we played a lot of pc so i mean like red alert is about the same time as as Goldeneye ish and that just has full motion video it like. does but but i knew that that was video right because oh, i played right. wing commander too and that also has fmv yeah, yeah but i know it's video not quote unquote graphic. true it wasn't in the gameplay but st- right. it was still a step it was still like this is this is what a quality game is you know like <laughs> sure sure um but yeah so I, I did play Goldeneye multiplayer a bit but i i i got raffle stomped almost exclusively when i did play that so you were Um, more of a a story guy on that one then yeah it was i mean like you said you know i i I discovered it i mean the amount of games that i discovered in (laughs) there used to be an old store here in springfield that i don't know how national it was i have no idea if this is something anyone else knows but it was called venture um i vaguely remember this one yeah it was over total this is only if you're from Springfield, does this make any sense? <laughs> and in the 90s. <laughs> yeah, but you know where Barnes & Noble is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was in the shopping center where there used to be like a Kmart. It yeah. Actually, the Kmart used to be a venture, basically. So Okay, well, because Kmart was on the other side of it. Or was, uh, there was, because there's there was a Kmart for, maybe they, no, they were in a different location. They were in a yeah. different location for a long while. That's right. Yeah. But venture was basically kind of like a Kmart, Target, Walmart type of right. store. Pre-grocery, though, I don't think they did groceries. Yeah. Um, anyway, again, only relevant if you're from Springfield, but whatever. This is how uh, we pat our time, people. we got to get those numbers up. <laughs> Let's talk about grocery stores, power. local grocery stores for a while. That needs to happen. But, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, that's where I discovered Mario Kart on Super Nintendo. Was mm-hmm. it a store yep. like that? Yep, F-Zero. Uh, yep, GoldenEye, Star Fox. Um, that, oh, that's Star where I played Fox. those. And, um, anyway, so, so yeah, so my dad and I actually got gold. Now I remember playing it at the store and being like, dude, this is, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. And then he saw it and didn't say anything. That's how he always got games for me though. He would never tell me like, yeah, let's get it. He would always just be like, all right, that's cool. Well, let's go, you know, let's get out of here. And like, okay. And then we'd leave. And then like the next weekend I would come over and, he would just start playing it. He wouldn't even tell me like, <laughs> just "Hey, I actually start playing." <laughs> Sometimes even get one time specifically. I remember even got me to go outside. He was like, "Don't you need to go outside and play a bit?" And I was like, "I, I mean, I guess. Why I, are I you? I don't have a physical need to be outside right now." <laughs> right, and he was but, like, "Okay, 
you need to go outside and play some. And I was like, okay. And then he opened the window and then turned on the game. So I would hear it. Wow. And then I come running inside and it's like, he let me play then. So it wasn't like a of bully course, thing, but like, but it's that's... like, he always had to make it theatrical. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Hey, you know, might as well. Yeah. Well, now we understand why I am the way I am. Um, <laughs> why you untheatrically have a thousand games in your profile? Just like, yeah, sure, I guess I'll add it to my cart along with these fifty others in this humble bundle. You go outside, Dad, as I spam by in the Steam store. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take on debt for this, anyway. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> my kids will have thousands of games that they won't know what to do with that. They'll be bored of games and want to play outside. <laughs> it reminds me, I played some, again, total non sequitur, but I played some Borderlands three again the other day and killed one of the elite monsters. And he, like one of the guys that has the tiny little heads that mm-hmm. I can't remember what they're called now, but anyway, Goliaths. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, one of those. And as I killed it, it yelled jokes on you. i in massive debt and i just that's probably my favorite line from the borderlands series because it's just like wow (laughs) anyway anyway (laughs) wow yeah nothing i can't follow that up like how do you how do you that's the casually dark humor because it's not that's not from one of the main characters it's not not part of the scene No, no. the guy yells it at random and maybe you're not even paying attention. And I just, I love it so much. Um, Anyway, anyway. So, so yeah, so my dad and I played Goldeneye. um, And it's funny because, you know, this was an era before achievements, which it's actually hard to remember that games didn't used to have achievements because that's been such a longstanding thing now Mm -hmm. or trophies or whatever you want to call them in PlayStation land. But um, very few games even had hundred percents. Right, yeah, so, pro- I, yeah, I, progress I think, thing yeah. was crazy. Yeah, like I remember GTA three and like the G, you know, so not one and two, but but at least three and on having a total progress that you've made. Me being like, wow, that's crazy that it shows you that because yeah, what else did you know? Um, but anyway, so so Golden I had, you know, you could you could play through the story, and it probably took us a good. And again, I, you know, I didn't, I wasn't there at my dad's house every single day. My parents split up when I was like eight. So I would go over on the weekends. Right. Uh, and then stay a few weeks out of the year for the full week. But anyway, it probably took us a good month or two to finally get through the campaign, pan, the campaign again, playing on weekends. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It was just, it was a, it was a really good experience. Just kind of switching off back and forth and both of us sucked at it. So <laughs> it was, neither of us ever were frustrated with the other one failing, you know? Right. Um, but it had to, to tie it to the achievements thing. What it had was every mission had either three or four difficulties. I think it was three difficulty settings and there was a time. And if you could oh, beat yeah. the mission within that time, then you would unlock a cheat basically. Right. So like the, the easiest one to do is like big head mode. So that yep. in multiplayer, you could make it big heads or actually in the single player too, but you could mm-hmm. make everything big head mode. Um, but then, the, and there was ones where you could make them like paintball guns, so it showed a play, paint. Yep, yep. Show. I remember that. Oh man, we would yep. being able to paint things in levels and like draw, right? Like, yep. But there was so the facility, um, which is I believe is the second level in that game, on the hardest difficulty, 007 difficulty. The time for it was 
really, really challenging. It was like two minutes and 15 seconds or something. Mm -hmm. You had to beat it in. And you just had to do it perfectly. And that was the only one that we never got. We unlocked every other secret for every other level in the game, but we never could get that one. And if you could get that one, that was in visibility mode. So then you could play uh, through the levels invisible, yep. uh, which would be entertaining. Um, I have one friend that I know of that has ever even claimed, and it's not like I saw it with my own eyes, but right. I believe him. But I have one friend that's ever even claimed to have gotten that, and it was him and another buddy spent hours just over and over and over again and eventually got it. This is in the era, which is still true in some games, but more so back then, of it, like speedrunning community is running the map while staring at the ground because it only loaded things into the game in the distance that were in your field of view. So if you mm. stare at the ground or behind you down, like you can actually move faster through the level because your walk speed would be like calculated to how much was being loaded. Mm. So like certain enemies may not load if you aren't looking. So you could like zip through corners and stuff and just spend most of the time staring at the ground to run the level. <laughs> like some modern games still is effective in speed running to do that, but it was really a cut like, getting facility what almost required you to do stuff like that <laughs> yeah i'm trying to think of the name of the game right now i'm looking for it as i'm as i'm speaking but there's a game that came out a few years ago on 360 um it's made by platinum games which are the people that make bayonetta and Nier automata and a, a lot of those kind of brawler action games um but instead of being a melee game it's it's based on guns well anyway they ported it to pc a year or two ago and the, on console, the frame rate was locked at 30 FPS because it was an mm -hmm. Xbox 360 and PS3 title. Well, when they ported over to PC, of course, it unlocks the frame rate to 60 frames per second. Um, and the damage, the amount of damage that you did and took were actually tied to the frame rate, which was really? not... I mean, I, it didn't ever matter whenever it was locked at 30 because there was no fluctuation and the game worked how it worked. But whenever they ported it to PC, yeah, people were reporting all these crazy problems with the, the, the fights in the game because they were taking huge amounts of damage because the frame rate had doubled. And so then the amount of damage that they were taking had doubled, um, <laughs> which is just crazy. Like, uh, that's like, I mean, well, I don't remember what it was. There was, there's a few games. There might, I think there was a Sonic game on PC that I got as like, it was a Sonic I don't think it was a collection, but just like the first Sonic when they released it on PC or something. But I didn't get it until I got it in like a used bin somewhere or something like ages later, way after release. And it's clock speed or it's game speed was tied to your CPU clock speed. Mm. And it was meant for like a 25 megahertz computer. And I was playing it on like a 100 megahertz computer. So I just load the game and instantly fail the level because the timer would run out like instantly. <laughs> <laughs> like four seconds and if you just push left you just bah, just straight into a wall halfway across the level or whack into something and then yeah the level would end because you you're 300 seconds was out or whatever right it's just it's interesting you know i think we've talked about this previously too but it's interesting the tricks that programmers will use to get things to work that as the gamer you just never even understand that that's how it works. You know what I mean? Like right. weird things with maps and stuff that they do that as the gamer, it's all behind the scenes. So you don't see it, uh -huh. but, but then it can get exposed sometimes in these other ways. Um, but anyway, yeah, I don't know. So it was, it was a super fun experience playing through GoldenEye 
um, the multiplayer was was okay, but again, I sucked, so <laughs> I didn't love right. it as much. But the single player, I mean, yeah, it was the first FPS that I really sank my teeth into and really fell in love with. And and honestly, I spent a ton of time. While it's not a sandbox game, actually, you know what? I'm wrong. We did unlock invisibility. I don't know what that came from. Invincibility was what ah. you from the facility. Because I did lock invisibility, because that's what I was going to say, is I actually spent time playing that game almost like a sandbox because I would load invisibly and go into the facility, and there was all these scientists in the level mm -hmm. uh, who wouldn't, they weren't fighters, so they wouldn't attack you or anything. But I would go in invisibly and plant mines, like remote mines under their feet, and then run away and detonate them because it was the first game I'd ever played that had any sort of physics. Mm -hmm. And it would actually launch them over like railings and then, yep. you know, they'd crumple on the ground. And I, I mean, it, it <laughs> I, I get that it probably speaks to my intellect where I, I'm just like willing to just smash the same two things together over and over and excited every time. But I loved it. Like I could not get enough of watching these, these ragdoll characters just fly all over. And I would, try and set the mines at slightly different angles to see how right. far I could launch them. And I, don't I know. mean, as a kid that grew up in the sticks, uh, a, a box of, of waterproof black cats and a couple of tins of Vienna sausage were hours of fun. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know that that's doing it virtually just definitely saves a lot of money there, but <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I just, I loved, uh, I just loved playing with it. It was just such a, it was just such a, in, an interesting game to me. I just had never had just never played anything like that where I it felt that because like Wolfenstein doesn't feel realistic at all. Like even well, though you're even, fighting Nazis, right? Or even kind of it's difficult, but not necessarily engaging. Yes, yes, like, yeah. Well, and I mean, a lot of that is because you can't aim up, right? So right. It's just left or right. And it's and your shoot. story is presented in text that you click right. really fast to get through. Like, yeah. And since I didn't know the GoldenEye story, I was really like when Trevelyan betrays you, I was like, oh, what? Like, yeah, because it basically <laughs> is playing through a movie. So, right. <laughs> yeah, it, having that in-depth story in there is a big deal. Yeah, and the watch, the the watch, the watch laser, like you said earlier. The watch laser is one of the like. I was always mad that you just were so limited on ammo with it, and that it was only in certain missions. Because I would want to like run up and try to kill people with the watch laser. Like, right. this is cool. I think you didn't you have a camera in the watch in one level too that you could like t you had to take some pictures true. or something. Like, just having gear. Yeah. Like more than just a gun. Like being able, it made you at the, especially at that time. Yeah, you felt like a super spy. Of course, you felt like a super spy. Like right, yep. And yeah, using the sniper rifle and all this stuff. I don't know. It just it just was a, a very fun, a very fun game. And and I loved the the fact that it had all those different kind of quote unquote achievements to unlock because it gave me it gave us something to pursue after we had beaten it. Right. Yeah. It's like okay, you you've beaten it, but there's it's your new game plus just is beating it within the times. Right. Right. And then now I can't be bothered to even get halfway through a game. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, so, you know, an, another game that, that I, it's almost, I think maybe we had almost an opposite experience where you had kind of limited exposure to GoldenEye. Another game that came out around that same time that was also really popular, made by the same studio, Rare. Right. Um, which is who, for anyone who's been listening lately, who also makes Sea of Thieves. So I'm still in the Rare boat, even to this day. <laughs> Um, 
But anyway, they made a game called Perfect Dark, which was kind yes. of, it wasn't GoldenEye 2, but it kind of was. Like, it was kind of like an yes. upgraded version of GoldenEye. It was, yeah. And so, again, not a game that I had. I think, it, correct me if I'm wrong, that was one of the times where, like, you could get the expanded memory module. I think it was one of the few games that made use of that. I think, um, like, that and Star Fox did it. Yes. Um, but, yeah, there were a few games. Um, and yeah, so like my, I had another buddy that had not different buddy, uh, that had perfect dark and this, I was definitely 15 or 16. Cause I don't remember. I, all I remember is that I had my own, I, I don't know if it was my own car, but I had a car. So it was either I was driving on a permit, um, or I had, uh, my own vehicle of some sort, but I remember being able to get to his house relatively easily. So probably about 15, um, but yeah, he had that and that, so again, I, because it was, uh, an, in like a, a friend's system, we didn't play through much of the story. Um, but the multiplayer in it was so much more in depth and actually I take that back. I think we did play through quite a bit of the story, but we started in multiplayer so that I could get the controls down. Mm. Um, cause it worked a similar, but different. Um, but it just had, so many more guns and le the levels were huge and just i feel like for me the high techness it was a lot closer to sci-fi um it was still kind of modern era ish but the the feeling of high tech stuff that you had with like the watch laser and golden eye was expanded to things like the laptop gun yeah which was literally looked like a laptop and then it like folded out and then turned into like kind of an RCP 90 sort of gun. But then you could also alternate fire it and it would fold up differently and you could stick it to a wall or the ceiling and it would turn into an auto turret that would like defend you until it ran out of ammo. Mm -hmm. And that were like in the single player, you had all these great super spy gear, but in the multiplayer, that was just like walking around a corner and somebody having a laptop gun placed there a minute ago and it's still there and it guns you down and like you have to shoot it down and be aware of those types of things like almost every gun had an alternate fire mode my uh, i mentioned before one of the favorites mostly just because i remember the silly surge fueled caffeinated sugar rush comments that get memed into things you know mm -hmm. but we, it was just the super dragon which we had to pronounce the super dragon because <laughs> it was just that's what you did if you right. picked it up you shouted that if you shot somebody you shouted that and it was a it was like a double barreled machine gun with rocket launchers or something like that it was just kind of stupid powerful um straight out of doom it sounds like it pretty <laughs> much felt like it because it was like one of the more powerful weapons and then my buddy's favorite gun was the Farsight, um, which was a sniper rifle, only its alternate fire mode could see through walls. Yeah. And everybody was like, it was a like heat vision. Yeah. So like it was heat vision and see through walls and shoot through walls. Because I think there was an alien. I'm pretty sure there was, yeah, there was a real gun. There was an alien element. I think it was like a teleport gun. Like it teleported a bullet like it didn't even shoot through stuff everything was just it didn't matter what was in between you and your target it just like teleported the bullet into them huh but yeah i'm, I'm pretty sure perfect dark had aliens and it starts out with 007 and ends in aliens so right but yeah I, I i played a ton of that game and just having having the options for most guns to have like 
a close range and a long range or a, a spam ability or a super ability like was really cool and it just it doubled the amount of content in the game and right. doubled the number of ways like maybe you're not good with the sniper rifle as a sniper but it still works as an smg in its alt fire mode so you can still use it so like it, you don't there's not crap weapons to pick up right like, you may have picked up the pistol but maybe it's kind of like a borderlands thing where you can chuck it as a grenade right like, so even if you get a quote-unquote bad weapon you can still be good with it in one of the two ways if not both yeah yeah, it, uh, it, it, so for me, I had a buddy that had it. Um, I think I might have rented it once, too, so then I would have played the single player, but I don't remember beating it. Um, and then I had another buddy that had it, and we played a little bit of the multiplayer, but he wasn't super good at it, and neither was I, so it wasn't really that competitive. I mean, it wasn't... I mean, it was fun, but it, there was only the two of us. There wasn't a group. Well, and... I think you could. I think Perfect Dark was also the introduction, at least for me, of having AI opponents. Oh, okay. Maybe that game. is. True. If I'm if I'm not mistaken, you could have AI opponents because I'm pretty sure I only ever played with the one buddy, but I remember having a bunch of opponents, and I think you could have like eight AI or like up to four players and four AIs. So it could be like six people if there's two players and four AIs or like you might have been able to get up to eight AIs. I don't remember 100%, but I think you could have AI guys in multiplayer games. Yeah, it's it's also the era that is now long gone because there's not catch co-op in the same way because um, <clears throat> there doesn't need to be because people can play online. Right. Um, but of, of screen cheating where... Mm -hmm. You're everyone's Those on the same screen. Filthy screen lookers. <laughs> so there was actually a game in the last decade. I don't even remember when exactly, but it was called Screen Cheat, where you actually can't see your character in your box. So you have to screen cheat to play. <laughs> that's like, kind of funny. That's what I thought too. It was like that's that's kind of ridiculous. But now they could just do eye tracking and like penalize right. your character if your eye moves past the center of the screen. <laughs> just like <laughs> Yeah, it was, I mean, I, I don't know. Screen cheating was a thing that's like, on the one hand, you know if you're doing it, but no one else does. Like, it can't be proven, right? Because right. you're all looking. And if you don't do it, but you suspect that the others are, then you, it's like, well, why am I dying, dying on this hill of morality? Right. When they're not. And I know they're not because they're filthy liars that are my friends. Because <laughs> they, and... wouldn't, they wouldn't know that I was hiding in this corner otherwise. I set this <laughs> corner up specifically to see if they were like. But no, I, I agree. And it's, it's, it, it is weird because it's like that caused so many fights. Like so yep. many fights. And it, it was, I feel like it was the whatever your hacker, like whatever wall hacker of the N64 era was just like, now you, and, and sometimes it was because they were just doing something good. Mm -hmm. And because that's a popular sniper tower and everybody goes up there to snipe. Like you're not special for, you didn't right. discover some secret area. Right. Like everyone that gets the sniper rifle goes there. So if you get killed while you're there, like whatever screen looker, like <laughs> screen looking doesn't get, make me better at getting headshots. Like whatever, right. like well, that's like those dudes that I was playing with that are aiming with the C buttons, mm -hmm. and it's like I mean they can screen cheat, but it doesn't really matter because as soon as I see them, they're just gonna kill me still, right? <laughs> so they are a faster draw every single time we gunfight. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, 
but yeah, I don't know. I always I always held Perfect Dark in high regard. Always thought of it as a cool game, but just didn't didn't have the access to it that I did with Goldeneye. So didn't. I also remember just as much. The, the, I think that was kind of the first time where the size and detail of the levels kind of blew me away because it it doubled down on 007 in just about every way. Yeah. Like like I remember I think it's like the first or very early in the game, if not the very first mission, where you like helicopter drop off at the top of a skyscraper. And you go inside, and there's like six or eight floors that you clear, and there's offices with desks and conference yeah. rooms and stuff. Like, it was just for me at the time, it was like if GoldenEye, like, I thought that GoldenEye was the pinnacle, and then this comes out, and this is so much bigger. Right. Like, it, it really was an exponential growth in gaming at that time. Because, I mean, even like the first Halo then doubles down on that again, right? Mm-hmm. Like, your your single levels are kilometers wide. It's like what? Like Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I, I loved Perfect Dark. I loved the alternate fire in weapons. That was something that if there was there, it was like maybe in one or two guns or like a rocket launcher could be guided or something. But having it on like every single gun was very special. And there was like, I don't know, I wanna say twenty or thirty guns. Maybe it was thirty with alt fires, but Right. Counting each one twice. But it it felt like a lot of options. Right. Yeah. No, totally agree. Totally agree. Um, but yeah, I, 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 like I said, thought, always thought Perfect Dark was cool. Um, but that was kind of the end of the line for me with 007 games. Like I didn't play any more 007 licensed games that I can think of really from then on. And now I don't think that they, I think that part of that was because they largely stayed as Nintendo releases right and after a 64 i mean i had a gamecube but not until way later in the game um well <laughs> in life in the game <laughs> no. in the real game <laughs> <laughs> um but yourself you you actually did continue playing at, at least another title yes. right yeah uh so it, i'm pretty sure i played multiple but i owned agent under fire uh which was on the gamecube 007 agent under fire um, and I was, I was double checking a couple, trying to check a couple of things. Yeah. So there were two really cool things about agent under fire. So agent under fire is actually what got me into racing games. Hmm. Um, at least modern racing games. I always kind of liked F zero, but was never good at it. Um, until way later in my GameCube journey, uh, when me and a buddy played a bunch of that. But anyway, it had a lot of vehicle sections in it. Um, and the vehicles had guns and special, again, 007 gear, oil slicks, caltrops, whatever, missile launchers. But there was a lot of, like, having to get through barricades and stuff in the car and then go and do a first-person level and then come back and do a, a motorcycle level or whatever. There was a lot of interesting mechanics in the single player version of that game so this is the first 007 that i played uh as single player and um or possibly i don't know there were a few there were like five james bond games on the gamecube and i don't know which one i played first because they came out kind of rapid fire too Mm -hmm. um and the wiki article for Nightfire doesn't have a lot of information, but I feel like I played Nightfire as well. Nightfire and uh, Agent Under Fire both, but kind of back to back. I'm pretty sure I played the other ones. Don't really look familiar. I might have played some of everything. 
everything or nothing but i think that might have just been some multiplayer again this is kind of getting into the era of me working at a video store too so mm. i buy a lot of games i got free essentially free infinite rentals um so i went through a lot of games around that time but yeah just having the vehicle sections was really really fun and then i'm like 90 percent sure that agent under fire had was the first one to introduce the grappling hook mm. and this spawned uh spider-man with guns because you could have you had like a, you could have a, an equipment slot basically which could be like night vision goggles or any number of different things i think even like a watch laser or a knife or whatever um and in the multiplayer game they were like pickups but you could also set the pickups for the um for a lot of the things you could if i remember correctly there were a lot of multiplayer settings it was almost kind of like smash brothers in the sense that like <laughs> You could set everybody's to start with a specific gun and how much ammo it had and like or an equipment item and how much ammo or how many uses it had up to like you could set infinite ammo on pistols or infinite ammo golden guns or infinite rocket launchers. And so a lot of the things that I had previously only had fun doing on like Unreal Tournament on PC, I could now do on the GameCube like, you know, rockets only maps and stuff like that. Before, like, that was really terribly popularized in Halo. It was a popular thing in Unreal Tournament. And then, you know, mm. for me being able to do it on like a 007, but having it like rocket map is great, but rocket map with, and the, the grappling hook had a ridiculous range on it. <laughs> it could go like halfway to three quarters of the way across a map. So you would just see people, you would spawn in and you would see this gray line go across way in the distance, just like slowly travel across the screen because it's going so far. It actually moves pretty quick. And then you would see this little black dot go zip. And every now and again, you could score a shot on that person, you know, (laughs) but even still you could, because it was kind of call of duty, like blown out warehouses and stuff was a lot of the maps and, but you could just grapple hook onto the ceiling of something or in a Mm. corner. So now your one sniper location that you walk up to, that is the tower just isn't that you, maybe you're on the outside of the tower. There's one that was like a town. And I remember we'd be jumping rooftop to rooftop because you'd like run and then jump to be able to see over the lip of a roof and then grapple hook to the shingles. Well, now you're on the roof and you can run up and down the roofs, but everybody's on the roof. So it's kind of out in the open. So you don't want to, you couldn't stand still because if you stood still, somebody would get you with a sniper rifle. So it's constantly like zip line, Spider-Manning, thwipping back and forth between buildings and trying to take mid-air shots because you could shoot while you were using this thing. And yeah, it was just... I think it existed in Everything or Nothing, but you couldn't maintain the grapple. Mm. So you grappled to a place and then it stopped. Um, Or one of the other ones. And so I remember Agent Under Fire being more fun because you could maintain your hold on the grapple and then shoot while you were hooked to a ceiling or something. So uh, primarily that was, I do remember beating that game. I do remember playing through it because I remember the vehicle sections being incredibly fun. Um, but the Spider-Man with guns was unequivocally probably my favorite 007 thing to do. <laughs> yeah, no, that sounds awesome. Yeah, I 
I'm trying to think of of where I've experienced something like that with grappling hooks. And I don't know that I've really ever had that in a multiplayer shooter. Or maybe I have and I'm I'm just completely blanking on what it would be, but because like I said when we when we talked about, you know, our our <laughs> the fact that we're actually FPS bros undercover. Right. Um I, you know, I didn't play Unreal Tournament or Quake, and, and I know those don't have the grappling hook, but just right. games with that kind of verticality. Right, a work. lot of verticality, yeah. And even in, like, there's a couple of maps that Halo had bounce pads. Yeah. That had some, or like the the deep, the kind of one with a waterfall that has a giant bounce pad in it, yep. uh, the ice level. But outside of that, it wasn't until you'd get, like, some jetpack games, but jetpacks were usually slow and bulky. Right. Uh, this was very fast paced. Maybe a tribes. Maybe yeah, tribes. I was, gonna, I was thinking like maybe that. tribes, something like that. But. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, no, that sounds great. Um, I, I do remember that we played one other Bond game for 64. It might have been Tomorrow Never Dies. Oh, yep. Uh, and we didn't like it. The bullets, you could see them traveling. <laughs> and it, it was like, are we shooting Nerf guns? Like, what? <laughs> What is this? <laughs> well, it was just surprising because it it was Goldeneye and then it was Perfect Dark. And so I just assumed that the next Bond game was going to be... Even better! Right, an improvement on Perfect Dark. And it, it wasn't. It went a different way, which I'm sure was a different dev team. And, you know, I didn't know anything about that stuff back then. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, super, super cool. And there was one other game, though, that you played that's kind of adjacent to all of this. The, yes. the Time Splitters 2. And so yes. what is... What is that? Because when I think of time splitters, I imagine, and I'm sorry, I know I asked you a question. I'm now just talking. No, no, no you're fine. Go for it. I remember an arcade cabinet that's a light gun game where you press a, your foot on a pedal and it makes you take cover. Hmm. And and that's like like that's how you reload is you like take cover, oh, nice. and it reloads, and then you pop back up. And but that's also how you you know avoid damage to some yeah. extent or whatever. Although in light gun games they're designed to be quarter eaters. So oh yeah. Who knows how much damage a you're actually mitigating. At a time, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, so when I think time splitters, for some reason, that arcade cabinet game is what I associate it with, but I don't think I'm right. <laughs> so, I still, I'm not, see, it could be time cop. I don't know. Mm, I don't know. It's a Jean-Claude time... Van Damme movie. For right. Sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know if the first time splitters, I have to look now real quick. Um, no, it was also on PC and GameCube, or not PC, uh, PlayStation Two and GameCube. I don't know. It that doesn't sound no wrong that it would have been like a light gun style game. However, so Time Splitters Two, I remember very little of. Uh, I remember that there was a little bit of oh man, you know this makes me think too of like Turok, mm. like honorable mention to Turok. I think I only played one of them, like Turok Two or something. I own Turok 1 and 2 on PC today because they came in Humble Bundles somewhat recently. And I I had to select them because I'll never play them because they are not (laughs) actually fun to play at all. No. Um, But it's Turok. Yeah. And and 12-year-old me was like, there's a game where you fight dinosaurs. You shoot dinosaurs and machine guns? Like, Dude, it had a gun called the Cerebral Boar that you would shoot at an enemy's 
and it would do it would latch onto their head and then drill into their head. It was oh like, my God. what is it was this? Brutal. It was a brutal game. The only reason I know that is because I was so bad at it that the only way I ever got to do anything cool <laughs> was cheat codes. Yes. So fair. that's what I did. But anyway. So Time Slitters 2, you, it was a fun I actually remember really enjoying it, really enjoying the story. You're a basically a time cop, which is maybe why I'm thinking of that. But you like travel through time to fight different things. So like the game has guns from every time period. Mm. Like there's like musket guns, grenade launchers. I think their melee weapon, if I remember, there was a brick that you could just whack somebody with a brick or like throw it. <laughs> like, <laughs> but um. And I'm I'm trying to double check. I don't even know if the wiki even references it. Um, yes. Okay. So, and I did this brings a couple. So there's a few points I need to break to draw all this in. So I did this in Descent Two, and Red Alert, and Starcraft. But I think I had some of the most fun in Time Splitters, which was map making. Mm. And Time Splitters Two had a very in-depth like 3d on the gamecube on the gamecube yes which was the most yeah and it was like yeah pc (laughs) games of the map maker like okay usually launched as a separate application like the starcraft map maker wasn't in starcraft you had to launch it separately i remember making a red alert map that just had infinite resources Mm -hmm. so i could play you know skirmishes with infinite resources but But yeah, huh, that's crazy that that was on GameCube. But yeah, and it was its map maker had a like how you moved through the map was surprisingly clean and smooth <laughs> and you could build like multi-story maps or ma- I think I, I remember making so like I made red versus blue maps which had like because there were also stationary turrets and things that you could put down. So I remember having a map that had there was, and you could, de- I'm pretty sure you could set like different team conditions for winning because I remember a map, either that or it was just us having fun against AIs. That was probably more likely. But it was like we would set up like three turrets and our spawn area and some guns. And then this gully like goes down a hill, big valley area, and then up a hill to a bunch of like monster spawners or something. I'm pretty sure you could have like kind of infinite AIs, only so many of them at a time, but you could set like a number that would spawn. And I'm pretty sure we played it kind of like zombie mission, zombie survival, where if they made it through the gauntlet or if we ran out of ammo, uh, then we all died. But if we could kill all of the AIs, then like yeah, we win or whatever. I mean, really what you created was an early version of uh, on Halo, what they call firefight and in Gears of War, what they call horde mode. Um, OK, I actually I remember like juggernaut mode, but I don't remember firefight. So firefight was it was new to reach. So it wasn't uh, okay. in Halo I didn't, 1 yeah, I didn't play reach. I played um, one through three and then actually. Four. Actually, it was added in ODST, which was like kind I of like. I also mixed. didn't play ODST because at the time I was like, "What is this garbage? Give yeah. me my 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 Spartan!" Right. Like, then it, nowadays, I would actually probably be more interested in that game, but <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but anyway, I mean, just to to it's kind of like zombies, but zombies is a little like zombie modes in Call of Duty are a little more. There's a lot of like resource gathering mm-hmm. that you have to do and, and resource management. Uh, which I mean, there is that in in firefight and horde mode as well in the form of ammo, but that that's really it. 
Um, but yeah, it, it spawns, it puts you in a co-op setting and then spawns waves of enemies that you have to fight off to get to the end. Um, so it's just kind of a, a co-op sandbox experience, which just sounds like what you described. So that's pretty fun. Oh no. So yeah, there were, there were additional, so like your skins weren't just skins in time slitters too. They were characters and mm-hmm. some of them had, so there was, you could play as a dinosaur, uh, an Elvis impersonator, and they had <laughs> different abilities. Wow. Um, so like the dinosaur could bite people. And so you could, we played like aliens that way, like aliens versus predator. Um, and yeah, you could spawn up to 10 computer controlled bots at a time. Huh. Um, that's really cool. Yeah. So it was, it was cool to play two or three people versus 10 bots and having, you know, these intricate level. And I just love to make like, I was always kind of a game designer person, but being able to make custom games in a level maker that was it was usable. It wasn't because like even the Star so like the Starcraft level editor, while it was great, coding in the Starcraft level editor was very difficult in the original one, at least for me. And having a level editor that allowed you to do because like Descent had a level editor, but it was just like make rooms and halls and place guns. Right. There's not a whole lot of complexity there. But having the ability to have a little bit of that control over how AIs spawn and stuff like that, um, without being some giant learning curve just was i made i don't even remember how many levels so i spent probably more time making levels than i ever did playing them with friends but yeah. every time one of my buddies come up and be like so you get a new level in that time splitters thing i like they didn't care about the game or the story it was also just fun because the the weapons were so unique because right. they were from every time period so you had future lasers and bricks huh. and you know you just have lasers versus bricks game and man, every time you've got a brick kill, people get salty and you feel like a, a god, you know, like <laughs> doesn't matter how big your laser rifle is when somebody's in your face bashing your head in with a brick. That's just how it goes. <laughs> yeah. I'll, so I'll scroll, scroll through Instagram sometimes uh, and see I follow a few gaming, I don't know, pages or I don't know what you call them on Instagram feeds <laughs> and uh I stay I stay plugged into the youth of America through Instagram, you understand? Oh yeah. Keep thumb um, on the pulse. <laughs> so anyway, which is why we spend an episode talking about a game from nineteen ninety six. Um anyway, so <laughs> I just made facial expressions at him. I did Yeah, yeah. Um so the uh anyway, you'll see you'll see videos though, they'll post highlight reels sometimes of just like a dude in a Call of Duty game just killing like eight dudes in a row with throwing knives, just like <laughs> throwing knife, throwing knife, throwing knife, rounds the corner, throwing knife, throwing knife, and just slaughters entire squads. And it's like, wow. And it yeah. just made me think of that with the brick thing. Cause it's yep. the same kind of sentiment where it's like, mm, you have an assault rifle, but the knife guy got, you. he brought a knife to a gunfight and, and, and dominated and you. Took an entire SWAT team out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. It went right. John Wick on everybody here. Like, yeah, yeah. So quick aside, Time Crisis is the light Oh, game. there we go. There we go. Yes, yes. So at that least Time sense. was the beginning. It was, yeah. I, and that's why I felt like I'm like, you can't, you're not totally wrong here. Yeah. But yeah. Um, but yeah, Time well, Slitters 2 just was a really fun, because I think it, because it was just the level of variety that you had access to in the level maker mm-hmm. allowed you to make a bunch of different games. Because you had right. old tiny guns, future guns, bricks, you know, and 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 turrets and things like that, stationary objects that players could control, um, allowed for a lot of freedom 
to create maps that were very unique. And yeah, I'm surprised that more games still to this day, there are not a lot of games that have map makers in them. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, especially as the visual fidelity of games continue to increase and online multiplayer. I mean, that's the thing is that, you know, coding a game to have couch co-op is one thing. Coding a game to have network multiplayer is a whole other ball of wax. So, um, you know, I think features just kind of started getting cut. You know, For sure, for sure. But I feel like that... The community will always support because those tools have to exist for the devs to begin with. You build yeah. your map making tools. And I feel like with the people that spend thousands of hours building an entire city for a Skyrim mod that gets, you know, years worth of effort that lands them jobs elsewhere because they could put it in their portfolios, like the community is always going to impress with that type of stuff and it's just le- it's leverage that you can use for the game. I mean, I think it's great that StarCraft II's map pool for tournament maps is selected from the community. Like, right. I think that's that's amazing. And I feel like if you gave map making tools to an Overwatch, you know, people that like to play Overwatch, that they would show you new ways to play the game with the same mechanics without changing the actual gameplay. Mm-hmm just through making different maps and they'd end up of course there'd be tons of maps that are garbage but there would also be the cream of the crop would be well and beyond what most of the devs would put out there and it would probably spawn new genres you know just by having that type of stuff accessible yeah no that's a that's a that's a fair statement uh i mean i think I have to assume that the original half-life and half-life 2 have map makers because the amount of multiplayer maps in those is crazy yeah, I like, don't know. I don't think I ever really I I we downloaded and played a lot of them, but I don't ever remember where they were generated from. I it has to be it has to be that they're and I'm I'm saying that definitively with zero facts backing that statement. Right. So I, I concede that it, but either that or there was a third party map maker that was very accessible, which could I mean be. I I remember one of the big maps in the original Half Life being like it was a it was like a tiny world. So like you're playing on like a desk and there's like a state where it's humongous, you know, that's like, awesome. I don't think I played that one, but that's yeah. awesome. But just stuff like that. That's like, I mean, not that the devs couldn't have come up with that, but just wonky stuff that seems like it had to have come from the community. Right. Um, but yeah. So one other thing I wanted to mention about Goldeneye is, uh, and I actually just read this article. Uh, it, it came out on August 11th and it, it's mid August now. And we're recording this. <laughs> Um, so, so real recently, but there was a project called GoldenEye 25 that was a fan recreation of the single player campaign of the original GoldenEye wow. in the Unreal Engine. Oh my Lord. Right. So it looks incredible. Unfortunately, it's uh, been it has been DMCA'd to all yep. oblivion. It has was it st- released or was it, was it struck beforehand? Struck beforehand. However, the maker of it is still moving forward. They're just stripping any reference to James Bond from it. Right. And just calling it whatever, whatever. Secret agent gun super time. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to look and see what it's called. Cause I do think that sounds super cool. Um, and I wanted to, I, I, I do think it would be sweet to, to check it out. God, um, I, I don't get me started on copyright. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I'm not I'm not seeing it now, but either way. Yeah, but I thought that was really cool that there was still someone. And actually on the Wii, uh, they remade a a golden a 007 
re-release. Like now it, it, it wasn't a new game. It was just like a remaster right. of the old one. And then they added modern skins to it. I did mess around with that a little bit, but I never, I, so actually funny enough, I didn't personally own a Wii, but my mom <laughs> did. Nice. <laughs> so, but I was an adult when this all happened. Yes. So I didn't live there. Um, so the only time I played Wii was a few times at my mom's house of all places. Um, so I never really got that used to the Wii motion controls. Right. I wasn't that great at, at doing it and didn't care enough and didn't have the ability to just sit and practice for right. as long as it would have taken. So kind of dipped out. But, um, but yeah, I don't know. Definitely cool to revisit Goldeneye and, and, and Perfect Dark. And yeah, I had no idea that Time Splitters was that robust. Yeah, that was game. the thing. It was it was such a hidden gem because I, it didn't do great. Um, well, it was on the GameCube. <laughs> well, it was it was on the PlayStation Two and okay. uh, Xbox okay. as well. Okay, but uh, I felt like it was. I, I think it was probably just really overshadowed by um, what? What's the year of release here? Two thousand and two. So probably being overshadowed by cause what? What year was original Halo? Uh, two thousand one. But okay. it, so, but same era. I mean, same time right, frame. Yeah. Like, um, but definitely on PlayStation 2 and X, because PlayStation 2 didn't have a lot of FPSs on it. It had SOCOM. That was probably okay, the series that yeah. drove PlayStation 2 the most. Um, and again, like shooters back then, the PS2 shooters didn't use the analog sticks like right. Halo did. Like Halo was the first one to do that, at least as far as I know. Mm-hmm. First one I ever saw for sure. Um, but that mechanic didn't really become popularized until the next generation of consoles. Right. Um, like, in fact, I don't even remember on the PlayStation 2 what the second analog stick was used for, ever. Yeah, I mean, I never I never really did PlayStation much. I was trying to see. There's not much that, that the, the Wiki article has on this. Of course, they're not going to say what, what the stick style is. But I know right. that because the GameCube had, instead of the C buttons, it had the C stick. Yes. Um, which was a second analog stick. It was really weird and not used very much, but it was there. Right. Um, but it, it just was, in my opinion, hands down, such a crazy fun. I mean, it had a fun story. I remember really enjoying and having fun with. I don't think it was as serious of, because you're a time cop. So your story is not going to be very serious to begin with. But right. I think Unless it had, you're Jean-Claude Van Damme. Right. I think it had fun with it. And. <laughs> You know, you play through the Wild West, you play through the future, you play through, like, there's, like, a Turok yeah. kind of level. Um, so it was a very fun game to play through. But, um, yeah, just, I don't know. It was such a, especially in having the map maker. Really, just any time that you let people make your own game inside of another game, I'm all about that. Especially earlier in life but yeah well i mean i don't know it's as 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 long as that idea has been around i mean again obviously you see it in in some rts games like like starcraft and i'm sure there's others that offer it um probably i've never messed with it but i don't know if you could like make a map in civilization but probably right yeah uh, i've seen downloads there's at least some way to do it because i've seen downloads for on the workshop yeah. right um but then, you know, now now procedurally generated maps are so popular that it's almost like people, I think, kind of like rolling the dice on what will this be? You know what I mean? Yeah, and there there is something to procedurally generated maps, but there's only so far that Perlin noise can go before everything just looks like noise. 
and yeah. sometimes that's fun, and sometimes it's like this is just kind of garbage. But a, yeah. but a well structured map that's really intentionally built can like I think Pearl and Noise can definitely compete with any generic map maker. Actually, you know, you know, and obviously the episode's not entirely about map makers, but this is a really good, interesting point that you've made about how valuable that is. And actually, Halo Three at least had the Forge, which oh. had the ability to make it was a whole separate application on the 360 that allowed you to make all sorts of maps, different game modes. Like you could set up race modes and huh, all I'm sorts surprised of stuff that I Halo never got 3. to mess with that. Halo three had a, had a lot of, like it had the forge, which was really cool, but then it also had like a full replay functionality where you could go and watch any ma- any multiplayer match that you played right. and watch the replay of it and actually pan the camera around in any direction. And like, you could actually see, like you could see someone shoot the battle rifle and freeze it and actually see the bullets traveling through the air. Like, wow. I, yeah. I think it was because we got so dead. I think Halo three came out right at the end of me living at the, the college house. Mm-hmm. And so we didn't do, and we just didn't like it because like dual wielding needlers was just the thing to do. And so most of our multiplayer experience was in Halo two. So I think, you know, as Halo three came out, I'm probably working a lot more and uh, and it's a college house, so there's that whole side of things. So I just didn't have the 10 hours. And plus, there's no way that I'm sitting on the Xbox by myself for 10 hours straight making a level when I'm there's four, three other people living there. Well, and Halo <laughs> 3 was a 360 title. Did you have a 360? Um, I, I mean, I still have two 360s. I think we oh, have a 360 okay. there. Okay. Um, I knew you had the original Xbox, but I didn't know if you had gotten a 360 or, or yeah. not. Yeah. Gotcha. But but anyway, the whole point of all of that was just simply to say that I think there is a lot of value in the map making. I mean, that's that's certainly, you know, for in your case, that's one of the primary reasons you fell in love with Levelhead so much, mm-hmm. you know, to take it to a modern game. Um, and, and obviously Mario Maker has become a very popular thing, and Levelhead kind of competes directly with that, except on all platforms. Right, and, and is just better. Right, and, and so it's something that's there, but that's a pretty specific type of game, the 2D platformer. Right puzzler kind of thing um and yeah it's not something that's that's actually included that often and i do think you're right that there is i mean i i think it goes both ways i think you're right that it certainly has the opportunity for it to to really allow the community as you put it to shine and and really maybe um add some extra mileage to it but i think that a lot of games as we well know hashtag ea Mm -hmm. um are made for uh, under a crunch and right. you know right. th- features of the actual game itself are getting cut let alone some extra thing you right. know so uh unfortunately that's that's the way it goes but yeah that's that's super cool with time splitters i'm really glad that we <laughs> that we piggybacked that in because i was yeah. like is he going to talk about this light gun arcade cabinet game <laughs> <laughs> i mean i guess it was cool i no. didn't spend a lot of time with it but yeah not that reload game. reload shoot off screen <laughs> did you that again total segue did you ever see the one that was the uh aerosmith one it was at, like all the movie theaters and stuff when we were kids thanks so. i so i never i never had money for for arcade cat and if i did I did not put it into a dollar cabinet. I put it into four plays in the Galaga cabinet. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> I would yeah, rather, there's... even as like a 16 year old, I'd still rather play four rounds of Galaga than three minutes of whatever light gun shooter. 
there was some light gun shooter where, yeah, where it was an Aerosmith themed game. Now you're shooting bad guys, but you like are Aerosmith. It was very weird. Very you, weird. Was it with gun, like plastic guns or like a plastic guitar? Yeah. Like... No, it was still guns. But I think there was weird music tie-ins to it. I, uh, I didn't play it a ton because I always was like... It took me much longer than expected to catch the reference. I thought you meant that you were an Aerosmith, like you were a, a foundry blacksmith that made arrows and there was a bow in air. I was like, what? There was no, no. no cabinets like that. No. Aerosmith the band as a... It just didn't make the reference between first-person shooter. I went straight to Skyrim. Like... <laughs> so it was called Revolution X. Um... And it actually has a 92% like this video game on Google users. So wow. I'm in the minority here. But yeah, Revolution X, an arcade rail shooter published by Midway in 1994 featuring the rock band Aerosmith. <laughs> nope. Nope. Such There's so many weird licensing crossovers that happened. Oh, yeah. That's like, folks. Well, that was when anybody could get a license to anything for like 10 bucks. Right, because like, games hey, were just toys. Pepsi Man, like the Seven Up Spot, like whatever, just yeah. take it. Chester Cheetah, go for it. Five. There bucks. was a Domino's Dot game. Yeah, Domino's Dot, the little. I think <laughs> that, I think there was problems with that because there was a Pepsi Dot game, or not Pepsi, uh, Seven Up Dot game as well, and they were like, "Oh, the characters are the same. Like they're both freaking dots. Whatever, get out of here." They're both just reskins of like bad Mario knockoffs. <laughs> right. They weren't. It's not like they developed them in house. No, usually they were worse. They were usually knockoffs of some other knockoff that they could get the code of. So it was like (laughs) a Chinese knockoff of a Disney Mickey Mouse game would get reskinned as like, because that's where you could get your code. So terrible. So terrible. But we are off the rails. So (laughs) that is true. Do you have any other James Bondian experiences? I do not. Double I do not. Secret agent time. No, it was it was a pleasure revisiting that though. Oh it's a, yeah, it's definitely for sure. a cherished a cherished memory. So that's all for our episode today. Please join the discussion by tweeting your thoughts to us at puys pod or follow us there to get a notification on our stream times. Check out the links below for many other ways of getting a hold of us. From our email to our Discord, we would love to hear and discuss your thoughts. If you like this episode, please rate, star, thumbs up, and review us wherever you're listening. And hey, tell a friend about us. It really does make a difference. All of our links are available in the show notes, and if you want to hear more of Walker's insights on conversations with a variety of unique guests on topics outside of gaming, check out his other podcast, The Walk Show, which is available everywhere podcasts are found.